0: Our reading this morning comes from Richard Gilbert, and it's called Gentleness in Living. Be gentle with one another. The cry comes out of the hurting heart of humanity. It comes from the lives of those battered with thoughtless words and brutal deeds. It comes from the lips of those who speak them and the lives of those who do them. Who of us can look inside another and know what is there? Who can know what is there of hope and hurt or promise and pain? Who can know from what far places each has come or to what far places each may hope to go? Our lives are like fragile eggs. They crack and the substance escapes. Handle with care. Handle with exceeding tender care, for there are human beings within. Human beings vulnerable as we are, who feel as we feel, who hurt as we hurt. Life is too transient to be cruel to one another. It is too short for thoughtlessness, too brief for hurting. Life is long enough for caring, lasting enough for sharing, precious enough for love. Be gentle with one another. Reverend Gilbert is a, I, th- I believe, retired UU minister, but I don't, I don't know for a fact. So, I'm going to say this happened about 20 years ago, but you probably know by now. I'm not all that great with gauging time, so it was a long time ago. And it was a Sunday afternoon, and I was reading a a, a story, and one of the extended stories in the New York Times Magazine, and it was a story. I won't go into the details, but it was a story that described a systematic brutalizing of young girls, some of them very young, many of them suffering this. And reading the story, I will tell you, and this is not an exaggeration, it brought me to my knees. It just, it was I imagine something similar to what many of us have felt seeing pictures of children in cages. It's just the thing that sometimes just hits you. It hit me. Even now when I think about it, I'll be honest with you, it's hard for me not to get emotional all over again. It's hard for me not to have that aching feeling in my chest. How is it? How is it that we human beings can be so cruel to one another? I don't have an answer. How can we be cruel particularly to our children? By that time in my life I already had logged decades of activist work in various areas, but one of the one of the areas that has always meant a great deal to me personally has been to to work with women and girls who are seeking to survive assaults of various kinds Accompanying to the extent that I'm able accompanying women who are seeking to heal their lives on that particular afternoon I just sat on the floor and I couldn't stop crying. So I called uh, my beloved teacher and spiritual advisor at that time who was a, a crone in the goddess tradition, and, and sobbing into the phone, I explained to her where what I what was going on and what she told me and advised me to do that day is something that has stuck with me ever since and is what i want to share with you this morning she said sit find a quiet place to sit center yourself breathe feel yourself fill up with loving kindness. Feel yourself fill up with hope, with compassion, with gentleness. And then imagine, imagine all of those children and hold them in the fullness of that compassion and that love and that light of hope. Let them know that you see them, and that you care, and that they matter. And do this for as long as you need to. Now, I work better with a deadline, but I was in no condition to argue at that point. (laughs) So I did what she said. And I have no idea how long I sat. But when I opened my eyes, I was different. Now, I'm not going to stand here and say to you, oh, I know that all of their lives changed drastically because what I did, that's, you know that's not the point. I continued to feel the powerlessness and the compassion and the sadness. I feel it to this day. But I also felt a connection. I felt that we were connected. And I felt peaceful and ready to move forward with whatever work I can do in this world to help remedy these injustices and these terrible things that we're surrounded by all the time. I was changed. And that change enabled me to move on. And that practice of holding others in blessing, of holding people who are both victims and perpetrators in the light of love and in the light of hope, is something we can do when we can do nothing else. Those little girls are probably now, you know, pushing middle age, but I still think about them. And when I do, I still send a prayer. I still pray and just hope that they are thriving and healing and working for change in their world. That's how the spiritual practice of blessing works. Now, I don't know, some of you may love the concept of spiritual practice. Maybe some of you have practices that you, that you routinely employ. And maybe some of you secretly or not so secretly roll your eyes when you hear the, uh, the, the term practice. And I don't blame you. There, there, there are a lot of snake oil salesmen, as we used to call them. The point about spiritual practices and about this one in particular is that you don't do it to get something, right? I mean, I love the little candles that we can get in our bodegas, you know, light this candle and you'll get rich. <laughs> My grandfather bought lottery tickets his entire life from all over the world, and as far as I know, he never won, <laughs> but he still, maybe that was his spiritual practice. I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know. But a genuine spiritual practice is a practice that changes us, and by changing us, by building our resilience, by putting us squarely in the arena of love and compassion, allows us to live a more just and compassionate life. And when it comes to living into our value of justice and freedom and equity, we need resilience, we need the space, don't we, inside of ourselves to continue because I'd love to say to you, oh yeah, we're gonna, it's all gonna happen. Beloved community is gonna happen in our lifetime. And maybe it will, but it probably will not. So we need stamina and we need patience and we need to be loving with ourselves. You know, this week, I I don't even, I I, I can't even start to pick and choose out of the news items from this week, but there was one in particular that really struck home in our family, and that was the announcement of the rollback on the uh, uh, regulations for coal plants. And the sort of casual uh, sidebar that, well, estimates are that. You know, as many as 1,400 people a week will die as a result of these rollbacks. Oh well. My husband Mike, as some of you may know, uh, was was a regional administrator in the Environmental Protection a- Agency, and then deputy administrator at the national level. And he was actually he was regional administrator of this area, which includes Virginia and West Virginia. And he was involved, actually, actively involved in working on those regulations. And for years, he would tell me about traveling, meeting with the communities, meeting with industry, meeting with unions, meeting with everybody involved, because there are not easy answers to these issues and what it, what, it, what it took to listen to all the voices, including the voices of people who need to breathe in order to survive. Now he's my husband, and I know it's really hard for him to see this, you know, to see these, these rollbacks. I think it's hard for all of us, even knowing that there are so many different interests to balance. But we who believe in freedom and the power of love have to put aside, not put aside, I'm not going to tell you not to be angry. Because here's the thing, folks. Me, unchecked, up in my brain, I want everybody involved in making that decision. I want them in the hospital rooms. I want them in the hospital rooms with people who are losing their lives because of this. And I want them to look into the eyes of their children and their grandchildren and say, it's a cost of, that's me. It's a good thing I'm not empress of the world, okay? maybe but I want us I want people who make leadership decisions to be accountable and to understand the consequences of their decisions but that's not necessarily up to me so I'm not saying there shouldn't be accountability I am saying we I am accountable we are accountable for our decisions and we are accountable for what we do to address inequity in our world and in our communities but if I come into the, this work with I could I could feel myself as I was I was sharing that last piece with you I could feel my fists clenching right I could feel my breathing get more rapid I could feel this I want the power of that anger, but I don't want the, the injury that comes with that anger. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? I want to be clear about the suffering and the accountability, but I don't want to go out in the world and behave as though I am the hammer of justice, because I am not. Because if that's how we go out, when we win some victory, will believe that we're done. That's why we have to come from a place of love and patience and spiritual maturity. Which brings me to Pierre Pratervand, who landed after he's European. He landed after his education, a pretty cushy bourgeois job in Geneva. And realized not too long after he had uh, started that job that that wasn't, that he was put in this world to work with vulnerable communities. So he went to Algeria. And this was in the early to mid-60s, and Algeria had just come out of a long and particularly vicious war for independence. I mean, not that wars are, you know, uh, field trips. But this one was there was a great deal of brutality on both sides the french colonizers utilized torture the resistance fighters utilized torture so pierre went to Al- algeria and was was working on doing some some basically sociological work and then he learned from some of his algerian friends that those that there were folks who themselves had been victims of torture at the hands of the French who were now torturing people who had been French sympathizers. And he asked that very same question you heard me ask a few minutes ago. How is it that human beings can be so cruel to one another? And he has written and he has said that he realized that what had to change was inside our hearts. He says, to effect true change, I realized there must be a transformation within. Eventually, he would write an astonishingly beautiful book, which is called The Gentle Art of Blessing, a simple practice that will transform you and your world. Much in the same way that my teacher taught me to bless the world. He teaches others. Let me share with you a few words of what he what he means by blessing. To bless means to wish unconditionally and from the deepest chamber of your heart, unrestricted good for others. This is not easy I mean, I have a rogues gallery in my head of people who lock them up. (laughs) That wasn't me. Things they do aren't okay. they're actually not okay with most of the people in whose name these things are being done. And so I bring myself back and I bring you back to be gentle with one another. The cry comes out of the hurting heart of humanity. My beloved, blessing does not mean retreating into some weird bliss bubble populated with unicorns and rainbows. No offense to unicorns and rainbows. I'm just, I have to say it again. It doesn't mean pretending that anybody can do what they want and that they can't be held accountable. It means healing ourselves from the inside out as much as we would heal others and heal the world. It also means being faithful to our religious heritage. Now, you all know, we come from two Christian heretic sects, right? We often talk about the Unitarian side. Well, I want to talk about the Universalist side because Universalists dragged everybody into heaven with them, right? Nobody was going to be condemned to, you know, the fiery flames. So I want to tell you some stories about, the, about Hosea Ballou, who was our first great universalist theologian and who really wrote, lived from his own lived experience, wrote about the fact that a loving God could not condemn and would not condemn anybody to eternal damnation. So this is a story about Balu. He was a circuit preacher, and he would often sort of do mop-up preaching after he would follow the revivals of, you know, the fire and brimstone, you know, and people would be all like fainting and oh I see Jesus and I'm not making fun of anybody, but I mean they'd be and he would come in and then talk about universal love. So at this one point, this is a story uh, related by one of our historians. He was riding the circuit in the New Hampshire hills with a Baptist preacher, and they were arguing theology. The Baptist looked over and said, Brother Baloo, if I were a universalist and feared not the fires of hell, I could hit you over the head, steal your horse and saddle, and ride away, and I'd still go to heaven. Hosea Baloo looked over at him and said, if you were a universalist, the idea would never occur to you. <laughs> okay, so I can't resist one more. Again, he was riding the circuit. He basically spent all of his time doing that, and he stopped for the night at a New England farmhouse. And the farmer was very upset because he had a son who was, shall we say, difficult. The son got drunk, stayed out late, and fooled around with women. The farmer told Baloo he was afraid his son would go to hell for these things. All right, said Baloo, let's do this. Your son's not home yet. Do you know what Rudy's going to take home? Yes. Okay. well, let's go out and build a big bonfire. And when he gets there, we'll throw him in. The farmer (laughs) was, but that's my son, and I love him. And Balu said, if you, a human and imperfect father, love your son so much that you wouldn't throw him in the fire, then how can you believe, possibly believe, that God, the perfect father, would do so? We are the people of justice, freedom, and unconditional love. Who will you bless today? Amen. Hashem. And blessed be. For our benediction today, I'd like to share with you a traditional Hindu prayer as adapted by my friend and colleague, Avi Janamanchi. May good befall all. May there be peace for all. May all be fit for excellence. May all experience the holy. May all be happy. May all be healthy. May all experience what is good. May no one suffer. Be blessed.